Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. We've often talked about the lack of attention cases receive when they involve a minority. It seems that most missing people or unsolved cases we hear about revolve around white females. And while those cases definitely deserve attention too, we can't forget about the hundreds of other cases that need media coverage as well. Thankfully, while today's case focuses on a minority girl, her case has received quite a bit of news and media coverage over the years. But it is one that after hearing, I did feel compelled to share with you. Today, we're going to New Mexico to search for answers as to what happened to a nine-year-old Navajo girl that disappeared from her home one spring night. Together, we'll discuss what happened in the hours leading up to her disappearance and the investigation into her whereabouts. But in today's case introduction, I wanted to introduce you to her culture because, as you'll come to find out, it plays an important part in her case and in her family's search for answers. According to the Navajo Nation's website, quote, The Navajo Nation extends into the states of Utah, Arizona, and New Mexico, covering over 27,000 square miles of unparalleled beauty. In 1923, a tribal government was established to help meet the increasing desires of American oil companies to lease Navajo land for exploration. Navajo government has evolved into the largest and most sophisticated form of American Indian government. The Navajo Nation Council Chambers hosts 88 council delegates representing 110 Navajo Nation chapters. Visitors from around the world are intrigued and mystified when they hear the Navajo language. So too were the enemies during World War II. Unknown to many, the Navajo language was used to create a secret code to battle the Japanese. Navajo men were selected to create codes and serve on the front line to overcome and deceive those on the other side of the battlefield. Today, these men are recognized as the famous Navajo code talkers, who exemplify the unequaled bravery and patriotism of the Navajo people. End quote. Also mystifying is the fact that a nine-year-old girl was snatched from her home in the middle of the night and was literally gone without a trace. Despite calls from her family to police, clues left by her in public places, and a visit to a Navajo medicine woman, we still have no idea where she is. This is the case of Anthonette Cayadito. Welcome to Coffee and Cases, where we like our coffee hot and our cases cold. My name is Allison Williams. And my name is Maggie Dameron. We will be telling stories each week in the hopes that someone out there with any information concerning the cases will take those tips to law enforcement so justice and closure can be brought to these families. With each case, we encourage you to continue in the conversation on our Facebook page, Coffee and Cases Podcast, because, as we all know, conversation helps to keep the missing person in the public consciousness, helping to keep their memories alive. So sit back, sip your coffee, and listen to what's brewing this week. 
So, Allison, a little bit before we get started into this case, it was, so I was like wanting to see, because I knew she had an Unsolved Mysteries case, and I was wanting to watch the episode, Mm -hmm. and Anthony was with me, and I was like, can you search for this? And I knew he would not know how to spell her name. Yeah. You know, if I just said it. So, I was like, it's for a case I want to cover on the podcast, and I started spelling it, and he was like, is this person's name Anthony? Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like Anthony, Anthony, is this Anthony? So like there were so many times when I was he's thinking you had some plans for him. <laughs> yeah. There were so many times when I was writing this out that I would write Anthony and then have to go back because it's spelled <laughs> the same except E T T E at the end. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Anthonette was so special to her family and her birth was one that was really celebrated in her home from everything i read watched and listened to it appeared that she was really close with her family and her family was a tight-knit little group so Mm -hmm. it was natural that her mom was excited to welcome a baby girl into the world Mm -hmm. and she actually is born on our favorite holiday (gasps) christmas yes christmas baby yes she was born on December 25th, 1976 to Penny and Anthony. So hence oh, the, her name. Okay. Now her it name. makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Her mother was of the Navajo Nation and her father was of Italian and Hispanic descent. And I posted a photograph for you a little bit below because she is just so <gasps> cute. She had those dark She's eyes. I know. She looks just like a little cute, just you know, so happy. fourth grader. Yeah. I know. With a little smile. Mm-hmm. She was the oldest sister to two more little girls, Wendy and Senada. And I really hope I'm pronouncing that second name correctly. So if I'm not, forgive me. But she was the oldest of three. And she was very much a stereotypical older child. She um, was like the mother hen with them. She was really close with her sisters because the age gap wasn't too big among the three. Mm-hmm. But she felt that it was like her duty to kind of take care of them i did read for reasons i couldn't find in my research that her parents uh, separated eventually after the birth of her youngest sister so the three were raised by their mom penny in gallup new mexico okay well maybe that's why she kind of felt that you know motherly yeah That's true. I hadn't really thought about that. But I even read that she would make meals for them, like starting at the age of six. She's really stepping into like this big sister role. Responsible. Um, Yeah. And she would even iron their clothes for them if their mom was too busy. I wouldn't trust my 14 year old with an iron. (laughs) Yeah. We were just talking about her little sleuth hound helping (laughs) with something for Patreon. And Allison was like, Yeah, I don't trust her to do that. (laughs) I know. She can do a lot of things, but I know what her limits are. (laughs) She does too, though, to be fair. She knows she's kind of clumsy. Yeah. (laughs) And Allison, not only was Anthonette devoted to her family, she was also devoted to academics. She wanted to succeed in school, and she did the very best that she could possibly do in the classroom. Mm -hmm. She was like a little shining star, you know, one of those kids that make you want to come to school every day to teach. Yeah. Yeah. And besides performing well academically, she was also a caring and friendly child who did her best to make others feel included and welcome, which I think, again, 
just says so much about who she was as a, this little nine-year-old human, you know? I know I can't really tell just by looking at a picture, but I feel like I can feel mm-hmm. that, you know, that just sweet energy when you look at her picture. And I think a lot of the times older siblings are more like that. You know, they want people to feel included and mm-hmm. people to feel loved. I guess that's just something about mm-hmm. being an older sibling. She was so, like I said, just freely and caring that those qualities really left an impression on her peers because they remember her as someone who would go out of her way to check on a classmate that looked sad or if she knew somebody was having a bad day at school she would go over and talk to them and like try to make their day better so sweet i know and they noted that she was concerned for everyone's well-being her favorite color was purple it's a good one yes she loved michael jackson another good one (laughs) and she was nicknamed squirrel a squirrel i love it that's so sweet oh and i just noticed she had those um hair ties in that had the two balls on them those were yeah oh yeah yeah yeah, the tears (laughs) i shed in the early 90s over those things (laughs) At the time of her case, Anthonette was in the fourth grade at Lincoln Elementary School, and her fourth grade year was a really shining year for her. Not only was she excelling academically, as we talked about, she was also starting to display a knack for sports. She had actually won the Presidential Fitness Challenge at Lincoln Elementary School, which is a big deal, I feel like. Oh, yeah. Especially for a fourth grader. But above all of that, above the dedication to her academics, the dedication to her family, and this newfound interest in sports, Anthonette displayed a strong dedication to her faith. And she took part in weekly Bible studies. She went to Sunday school. Mm -hmm. And she was just a very devout person to her religious faith. Yeah. During this time, she was living with her mom and her sisters at 204 Arnold Circle in New Mexico. And on April the 5th, 1986, Anthonette's mom, Penny, had met up with some friends at a bar for a night out on the town. She had secured a babysitter for the night so the girls would have someone there to watch them so she could enjoy time with her friends, which I think for parents is important. Yeah, and she's done the responsible thing. She's gotten a babysitter and now, you know... Because I probably, as a single parent, she's got a lot of pressures on her. So if she wants to have a night with her friends, nobody should judge. Yeah, I agree. And like you said, she had done the responsible thing. Honestly, probably leaving them with Antoinette would have also been responsible. She seems like she really had her <laughs> stuff together at nine. Yeah, yeah. But she did have an adult there. Um, So she was in no real rush to get home because, you know, obviously her right. girls were looked after Mm -hmm. but around midnight so the wee early early morning hours of minutes into yes minutes into april 6th (laughs) she made it home and sent the babysitter you know home for the night because she's now there Mm -hmm. and much like tiny maggie would have been the trio sisters had not fallen asleep while mom was out and i'm sure that she was probably like oh they'll go to sleep around you know nine or ten o'clock right you'll just have the evening to relax but no they were all still awake well they gotta make sure mama makes it back okay right and i just when i was little this probably says a lot about 
I don't know. I'm I probably could be evaluated by somebody. But when I was <laughs> little, like I was very attached to my mom and I would not have been able to sleep if mm. she wasn't home. So maybe yeah. it was something similar to that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it is what it is. So they played, you know, and waited for mom to return. And when she got home, there's a couple of different um accounts so initially i thought that penny and the three girls stayed up and just kind of played and talked until around three o'clock in the morning just kind of catching okay. up on what they had done that day um, but eventually then everyone went to bed but then there's also another account of events that the two younger sisters were told to go to bed relatively soon after mom got home and that Penny and Anthonette stayed up talking for a while longer and they went to bed around 3 a.m. Okay. So either they all stayed up until 3 or mom and Anthonette stayed up until 3. Right. And that might not sound like that big of a detail, but mm -hmm. when we get to theories, it changes things. Oh, okay. I read on Bizarre and Grotesque that that night of April 5th slash early, early, early into April 6th, mm -hmm. Antoinette slept with her mother in the bed. And when Penny woke up at 7 o'clock that morning, she found that Antoinette was missing. Oh, no. So she goes to bed with that's her not and wakes much... up without her. Wow. And that's not that's a lot of sleep. weird. No. But having been up, I would guess that Penny was sleeping pretty heavy. Because if you're oh, if yeah. you're staying up until three, I know for me, I don't know why this is, but if I stay up past one o'clock, I will sleep through my alarm. Mm-hmm. So yeah. if if something did happen, I imagine she was sleeping pretty heavy. You know, and when she woke up, she does like we've talked about in so many of the cases we've covered that involve children or you know really almost anybody she mm -hmm. tried not to worry right away because she knew that one of their neighbors was missing a dog so she was sure that Antoinette had gotten up early to help in the search for the neighbor's dog because you know she's so caring mm -hmm. she's so friendly that I'm sure if a neighbor was missing a dog that she would have been the first to volunteer to help look right and so that's what penny's telling herself you know she knew they were going to be looking for the that dog that morning mm. and so she's like she has to be helping the neighbors right. so she goes and asks but none of their neighbors had seen Antoinette, and a search around the neighborhood would turn up nothing as well mm. and penny was quoted to say quote we went looking for her around the house nothing i didn't start panicking until we checked with all the neighbors went to every house and nobody had seen her End quote. Wow. And the search for Anthonette was pretty extensive. At first, searching was limited to Penny, their family, and friends. Because when Penny called to report her missing, the police were like, she's not been gone long enough. <gasps> oh, you need to give her time. so mad. Mm -hmm. They could have found her if they start looking quicker. I know. And we know those first 24 hours are oh. so important. But I think they told her to wait seven hours or eight hours until the to call back to report her missing after she'd been gone like eight hours. No, oh, that makes me mad. 
And so she did, and they finally accepted that missing persons report and began searching for Antoinette. The police and Penny's neighbors searched the surrounding foothills, but found no trace of the little nine-year-old. And authorities from the beginning were nearly certain that she had been kidnapped because, Mm -hmm. you know, really what other explanation was there? She loved her family. She was happy at home. She'd never ran away before, so it was unlikely that she had ran away this time. But honestly, initially, kidnapping also seems a little strange to me because she's in the bed with her mom. Right. And then the next morning she's gone. So how can we explain the kidnapping? Unless she did go out, I guess, to join this search for a dog and something happened. But, you know, if they're assuming that it's kidnapping, why wait another eight hours? Yeah. So frustrated. I feel like her case, there, well, there's going to be a lot of frustrating parts in her case. So Lovely. Just buckle up. Great. <laughs> as we often say on the show, the days stretched into weeks and then months as everyone continued to search for clues as to what happened to Antoinette. While the police did the best they could, or at least I hope they did, because I didn't read anything where people were calling it like a botched investigation or anything okay. like that, they were giving Penny little information regarding the disappearance of her daughter because I think they knew little about it. Mm. And so there was very little hope that she would come back home alive. And the case of the disappearance of Antoinette seemed to have gone cold. Mm. So they hear nothing for a while. It was about a year after Antoinette's disappearance. Police finally had somewhat of a breakthrough. Okay. So, in 1987, they received a very dramatic phone call that came into the police station. And according to Unsolved Mysteries, on the other end of the line, a very small, like, tiny voice, a feminine voice, claimed to be Antoinette and told the 911 dispatcher that she was in Albuquerque. But before she could tell the dispatcher exactly where she was, you'll hear, because I'm going to play the audio for you. Oh. An unidentified male say, who told you you could use the phone? And then you hear, like, a commotion and the call ends. Oh, my. So, there's some weird, like, noise at the end of this 911 call, Sleuth Hounds, that I could not find a clip without that on there. So, just, you know, know that going in. She does sound, it's almost like she's frantic because she says it so quick. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm Antoinette Cayadito, you know, I'm Antoinette, I'm in Albuquerque. But the male voice when he's, the voice doesn't sound like gruff masculine the way Mm -hmm. I was expecting. But it was, uh, who said you could use a phone? You know, like the, the tone and then that scream. That was not a, oh, I'm in trouble for playing a joke. That was a, I'm scared scream. Yeah, I feel like she, too, almost kind of sounds like she's out of breath. 
Mm-hmm. Like she's trying to get in all of this as quickly as she can. Mm-hmm. Like she knows and, she's only got a few seconds. Yeah. And I do agree with you. The scream at the end oh. is not like, oh, haha, you caught me. I'm calling 911. It's like, I'm in trouble. Yeah. Sadly, the dispatcher was not able to keep her on the phone long enough to trace the call. And I read that could take anywhere from 60 seconds to three minutes. Oh, my gosh. We need to work on that. That's the next yeah. step that emergency services needs to work on is to be able to trace a call in a much shorter time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Police did decide after that phone call came in that it was best to let Penny hear the call because, you know, it. It does sound like a little girl, mm-hmm. you know, like a 10-year-old little girl, mm-hmm. but they wanted to be sure that this was actually Antoinette, Antoinette well, and, and not somebody pretending. I mean, maybe she would recognize the male voice. Yeah, that's true, too. And so they did play the recording for her, and she was certain that that was Antoinette on the other line. She said, especially based on the way that she said her name, she knew that that was her daughter. Mm. And so that gave them, you know, this big sense of hope that she was alive somewhere. This is a year later. So Mm -hmm. I would think, statistically speaking, if someone who kidnapped a child were going to harm that child, that the harm would come fairly quickly. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, the fact that she's potentially still alive here a year later bodes well, I would think, for the family. And she did tell investigators she didn't recognize the male voice. Okay. Hmm. So, you know, we have that little glimmer of hope. But again, the case would go years without any more tips or leads coming in. Hmm. And so after the case goes several years with nothing really happening, police and the FBI decide that it was time to release some age progression photos of Antoinette uh-huh. to see if this would trigger any new leads. And it did. It worked. Oh, okay. In 1991, so not long after the photos were released, and I posted those um, down below too for you, um, it would trigger a new lead for investigators. So a waitress came to the police with a very interesting story. So she told investigators that she was certain she had seen Antoinette in the restaurant where she worked. Oh. So her story goes a little like this. So this Carson City waitress recalled serving a table that consisted of a man, a woman, and a girl that she says looked to be around 14 or 15, which would be right around the age that Antoinette would have been, you know, in 1991. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. She noted that the two adults looked rather unkept, and she said that it looked like they had maybe been in some type of struggle. Hmm. You know, like if you're bathing your dog and your hair gets all, you know, unkept, like that type of struggle. Okay. Strangely, she said that as she was taking their orders, the girl seemed to nonchalantly but intentionally drop a utensil on the floor and that she did this a couple of times and the waitress said each time she would drop the utensil the waitress would bend down and pick it up for her and the girl would squeeze her hand when she would hand her back the utensil (gasps) so like very hard under the table Mm -hmm. oh yeah she said though in the moment she didn't really think anything about that interaction because she was just so busy serving other tables she didn't really connect the dots that the squeezing was you know an attention getter yeah yeah 
However, after the man and the woman and the girl left the restaurant and she was cleaning the table, she found a bizarre note. And then that's when she clicks, oh, maybe they were struggling because they were struggling mm-hmm. to get her wherever they were trying to take her and she had put up a fight. But written on a napkin and placed underneath the girl's plate was a note that read, quote, please help me call the police. Mm. Yeah. But sadly, by the time the napkin was discovered, because, you know, they don't always clear the tables right away because they're right. busy. Right. The trio was long gone. Oh, my gosh. So now we're wondering, is this the second time that Antoinette has oh. tried to reach out for help? To escape these captors. It's but again, so good for her being feisty and like mm-hmm. fighting. Yeah, because I feel like so many people would have given up by this point. Mm-hmm. That's a long time that is to a be very held against your will. But again, after this lead, the case went cold for a while. That was until the following month when investigators decided to re interview witnesses that were involved in the case. They spoke to Sister Wendy, who was Mm -hmm. five at the time, but at the time of the second interview was 10. Okay. Astonishingly, she told police officers that she had witnessed Antoinette's abduction (gasps) from her family home. Oh my gosh. This reminds me of the Jesse Gutierrez case. Mm Mm-hmm. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Did you know that dehydration is the leading cause of daytime fatigue? I was shocked to learn that even mild dehydration can cause headaches, muscle weakness, and brain fog. But luckily, there's a solution. Cure. Cure believes that hydration should be simple and effective, but also clean and natural. That's why they use only the highest quality plant-based ingredients and avoid any artificial or harmful additives. They're committed to transparency and honesty. All of their ingredients are clearly listed on their website and packaging, and they're always happy to answer any questions or concerns. Ready to combat dehydration? Try Cure today and feel the difference for yourself. Use code COFFEEINCASES for 20% off your order. According to Wendy, she said that around 3 a.m. there was a knock on the door. This knock. Now, let me pause. Let me pause here. How old was Wendy at the time? She was five. And she's now asked to remember this five years later. Yes. See? Yeah. Okay. 
I don't want to completely doubt her because it could be the case that she always remembered it and for some reason didn't tell the truth when she was five. But I know my sleuth hound will be like, oh, I remember this happening when I was four or five. And the reason she thinks she remembers is because she's been told Mm -hmm. that it happened. Mm -hmm. And that's what's crazy about memory is how how much it can be influenced well it's so unreliable right and i talk about that too in theories because i think of myself at five Mm -hmm. and if i had witnessed something like what we're getting ready to talk about that wendy witnessed there would have been no way that i would not have went straight to my mother and told Mm -hmm. her what i saw okay I'm ready. I'm ready to hear what she said. So she says that around three, there was a knock at the door. And this knock awoke Antoinette, and Antoinette made her way into the living room to answer the door. Now, I know that it was reported that Antoinette was asleep with Penny. I did mm-hmm. not read if the other two girls were, but I almost feel like for this story to be correct, they had to be, or Wendy was a really light sleeper because. How would she have been there to witness this is, I Mm. guess, where I'm getting hung up. Mm -hmm. But I guess if Antoinette woke up, she could have too. But then we're posing the question, why didn't Penny wake up? But anyways, we'll get to all that later. And I'm also already questioning, Antoinette is pretty responsible. Mm -hmm. What does seem out of character for me would be for... A nine-year-old Antoinette to be like, oh, somebody's knocking at the door in the middle of the night. And at 3 a.m., they've just recently gone to sleep. Mm -hmm. I feel like I'd wake mom up. And, yeah, I'm like you. I'm wondering if even at that point they were fully asleep because they're reported to have gone to Mm -hmm. bed around 3 or 3.30, which would have been the exact time time this happened. Yeah. But like you said... You know, Antoinette is that mother hen. She's very responsible. And so Wendy did report that Antoinette went to answer the door, but was hesitant. And I'm assuming that whoever was on the other side of the door sensed that hesitation because she didn't unlock the door right away. Mm. And so the person outside said, open up. This is your Uncle Joe. Uncle now, Joe. Okay. The girls did have an Uncle Joe. Okay. A man named Joe was married to Penny's sister at the time. So thinking it was the real Uncle Joe at the door, Antoinette opened the door. And according to Wendy, two men then grabbed her older sister and carried her away. She did not go quietly, which again, I think would have woken like a red up. flag. Yeah, she yelled and screamed according to Wendy, and tried to put up a fight, but the two men placed her in the back of a brown van and drove away. And Wendy told police she didn't recognize either of the two men. Now, did she maybe recognize them at age five? As you know, oh, they'd been by the house, but I didn't know their name. But now she had forgotten them at age 10. I don't know. Right. And they did ask her why she didn't come forward sooner with that information, which is what you kind of talked about. And she said that she was just too scared and afraid that she would get in trouble. Now, I get that. And, you know, Mm -hmm. and I get a really young kid thinking, 
oh, if I tell, then they're going to come after me. Right. But if her memory is accurate, and I might sleep through my alarm if I go to bed after one, but if my child is screaming, I, I don't think I'd could sleep through that there's a difference there Mm -hmm. for me and i'm pretty sure aren't women this is like i'm pretty sure a scientific fact i gained from the big bang theory so it can really not be true (laughs) but i'm pretty sure aren't women like through evolution prone to recognizing their child screams and cries in their sleep yeah so yeah i would think you would wake up but you know it could be, too, this really isn't an excuse, but I guess it, it could be that Penny may have been drinking some that night, too, and then maybe she was, like, really right, asleep. that's you know? true. That is true. I also wonder if Wendy, I wonder where she was during all of this, because I that's feel what I'm like saying. if they're going to kidnap one, why not kidnap two? And was she just peeking around the doorway? That's how they, I know, Unsolved Mysteries obviously is actor reenactments or whatever right that's how they had it in the show that she was kind of peeking around a bookcase and i wonder if that's accurate or not Mm because i think that's interesting too Mm -hmm. but we kind of will talk about that in theories as well okay allison the police did clear the real uncle joe who as i mentioned before was married to penny's sister but this led them to believe that the abductors knew antonette's family oh yeah they obviously know they have an uncle joe exactly Interestingly, it's noted in a lot of sources that Penny failed the FBI polygraph test, which we'll talk more about in a little bit. But we know those are subjective. Right. Right. It's like taking it with a grain of salt. Exactly. In 1992, so just a year after those re-interviews, Penny turned to her Navajo heritage and sought the help of a Navajo medicine woman in hopes of learning more about Antoinette's disappearance. So Penny and the two daughters went to this woman, and this particular Navajo medicine woman was skilled in performing traditional tribal rituals, and in particular, the ceremony that she specialized in was this one that was done in hopes of contacting the spirit of a missing person. Oh, interesting which is interesting yeah and according to her through this ceremony she believed that Antoinette was still alive and by this point may have a child she oh. did say she was being held against her will she was somewhere in the southwestern united states and penny was amazed that the information provided by the medicine woman and then like investigators as well were consistent with elements of the detective's investigations. Oh, interesting. So she knew things that not everybody knew. Oh. Well, and if Antoinette is in Albuquerque, like that phone call, Mm -hmm. then even the location is pretty spot on. Mm Mm-hmm. Penny said, quote, Going to the medicine lady gave me a lot of strength, and it helps me to know that she is alive. No matter who she's with, they've got to have some compassion not to hurt another human being as small as she is, end quote. Which, like you said, I don't know if compassion is necessarily the word I would use, but there's something going on there. Because by right. this point, like you said, statistically, she should mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. have been murdered. Mm-hmm. Investigators and Anthonette's family are still searching for her and hope that she is alive. And that brings us to suspects and theories. And over the years, there have been several theories to form as to what happened to Antoinette. Okay. And I'm going to be anxious to hear what you have to say. Okay. I am ready to hear the theories. So this one is really involved. Okay. And I hope that it makes sense. So, well, here we go. Okay. In this first theory... People believe that her family or someone close to her family abducted Antoinette from her home. So her sister, sisters and her mother said that she would never open the door unless it was someone she trusted. And, you know, from the Antoinette that we know from this short podcast, we would also be inclined to believe that. Mm-hmm. You know, she's watching her sisters at like the age of six. She's the mother hen. So many of those things that I think we would all agree that unless it was someone she knew, she would not open the door. Right. Allison, the FBI did question all of her family members and all of them were ruled out as suspects. Okay. It is possible, though, that Penny knew more about that night than she initially led people to believe. Okay. So, of course, that failed polygraph is brought up. But, you know, we've talked about that a lot. Those are not that reliable right but information has come to light that pushed the police and people familiar with the case to strongly believe that penny knew what happened to her daughter penny did die in 1999 Um, i think she had like cirrhosis and maybe something else Mm -hmm. so whatever she knew if anything was taken with her to the grave but that doesn't mean we're not going to discuss that those possibilities here because we are okay okay some interesting facts were released on a YouTube documentary called Disappeared in Darkness, The Disappearance of Antoinette Cayadito. And the host was a former journalist, Crystal Gutierrez. And through her investigation, it makes me question the validity of a lot of oh. what we've talked about uh-huh. or what was said at the beginning of the search for answers into Antoinette's disappearance. So for example, in this documentary, Crystal was supposedly able to obtain records that throw into question the recollections of the night Penny went to the bar. Oh. So things that maybe were not initially reported. Okay. According to those reports from this documentary, as Penny was getting ready to go out so we're now on the night of april 5th a man knocked on the door because this man has never been named a suspect i'm going to call him tom that is not his real name okay and if you're interested i'm sure you can find out the real name but we're going to call him tom so tom knocks on the door and he was led into the house and surprisingly and creepily i don't even know if that's a word gave nine-year-old antoinette flowers and a necklace yeah that's a little weird he also insisted that she sit on his lap oh no no while her mother finished getting ready so presumably while her mom was out of the room no no (laughs) absolutely not yeah that's out To add to the creep factor, Tom had visited Antoinette's house previously 
four days after Antoinette went missing, so not initially, which mm. I feel is kind of a red flag, Penny told investigators that Tom had given Antoinette flowers on three different occasions leading yes. up to her disappearance. Mm. It's interesting to me, and you know, again, I know it's so easy for us to say, oh, I would have, I would have thought of that right away and told right, but right. would we really, you know? No. Yeah. So I don't want to point too many fingers at Penny, but it's interesting to me that she didn't bring up this fact to the police until a family member was speaking about it in the presence of an officer. Yeah. And then she's like, oh yeah, he did drop off some flowers. Yeah. That's a little weird. Mm-hmm. Per the police report, there are actually multiple witnesses who saw Tom bring flowers to Antoinette the night she went missing. And like I said, I think that is just a vital piece of right. information. You know, and if they're seeing one another, then I'm sure they've had conversations about her life and her family and mm -hmm. all of those things. So, hmm. Yeah. According to Antoinette's sisters, who were interviewed in this documentary, Tom was never at that house unless he was with a family member or a family friend that we're going to call Bill. Oh. Again, not okay. his real name. Okay. And that after... So he was never there without Bill until the night of Antoinette's disappearance. And then he comes alone. Mm. And after she disappears... Neither Tom nor Bill ever visit the house again. Okay, which is weird. that's the biggest red flag to me. Because mm -hmm. if so you're not that. coming for Antoinette, then why would you stop after Antoinette's gone? Exactly. Because hmm. if you're friends with Penny, Penny's still there. Yeah. And she probably needs your friendship more now than she did that's right. before. So there's that. Then we also have the amount of Knox... And visitors the family home received that night were also brought into question by this documentary. Oh. So, Antoinette's youngest sister, again, I don't know her age for sure, but if she's the youngest and Wendy is five, yeah. she couldn't be older than like four. Right. So, again, how much are we trusting Yeah. what she's saying? But she right. says that she recalled being told to go to bed while Penny and Antoinette stayed up to play cards. And she said that this was really strange. It was very unusual for mm. their mom to send one to or two to bed and oh, not send all three. Right. I will say it did seem a little odd when she, you said all of them or even just one of them stayed up until 3 a.m. That's a little late mm -hmm. or a little early. <laughs> Depending on how you want to yeah. look at it. Furthermore, she recalls that shortly after being put to bed, a person knocked on the family front door. And this is not Uncle Joe, the fake Uncle Joe that we discussed okay. earlier in the case. But rather a man that didn't identify himself, but we now believe to be Bill. Because the kids would recognize. Well, he knocks and the kids are like, hey, are we going to open the door? And Penny's like, nope, just ignore him and he'll go away. Yeah. So they don't know if they don't know who it is, if it's the family friend that we're calling Bill or who. See, I just, oh, I'm struggling here because I don't want to come off as though I'm 
not trusting the sisters. Right. I would feel a lot better or stronger in my belief of their memories if both of them were saying the same thing. My struggle is coming in the fact that, you know, the middle sister is saying, well, there was a knock. It was at 3 a.m. and it was Uncle Joe. And the younger sister says, oh, yeah, I heard a knock, but it wasn't Uncle Joe. It was long before that. And it was Bill. And mom said to just ignore. Like, if they were all, rem if both sisters remembered this Bill scenario or the Uncle Joe scenario, then I might be like, okay, this really happened. Well, I do think they both remember the Bill scenario, the knock from Bill. Oh, they do? Okay. Yes. But the issue with this, so if you remember from earlier in the show, Wendy said that it was sometime around 3.30 when, this air quotes, Uncle Joe uh -huh. knocked on the door and Antoinette was taken. Uh -huh. But according to police, as cited in this documentary, Bill told them that he showed up at Penny's house at 3.30 and knocked on the door to check on Penny because they'd gotten into an argument at the bar. When no one answered, he said he left and went to a friend's house, and that story was backed up by the friend. So it couldn't be both things because... Mm, at 3.30. Right. Because if Bill knocked on the door between... And there are some... She says, they say the knock came between like 3.30 and 4.30, but most everything says 3.30 for the Uncle Joe knock. Mm -hmm. So if Bill's knocking around 3 or 3.30, then he should have seen someone claiming to be Uncle Joe. Like, mm -hmm. he should have seen something. Unless he's the one claiming to be Uncle Joe. Well, he's never been named as a suspect, though. Because mm -hmm. I'm thinking, you know, he could have come by earlier knocked maybe even heard penny say just ignore him and it'll go away and eventually does go away but then he comes back yeah so here's like what you were talking about though the youngest sister does not remember the second knock yeah so she thinks she just remembers that first knock she doesn't remember the second knock there is a reddit thread and obviously i know reddit is like right up there with wikipedia but mm -hmm. Sometimes they have some good things on there. And this is related to this documentary. And the author recalls that Penny originally told investigators that she woke up at three and Antoinette was sleeping and then woke back up at seven and Antoinette was gone. But when she was re-interviewed, they re-interviewed her in 1994. She mentioned that she heard the knock at the door. Hmm. And so she says... Quote, I told her, meaning Antoinette, to go ahead and answer it. I lay there for a period of time, maybe 30 minutes, and Antoinette never came back. I got up to see where she was, but I couldn't find her. End quote. Hmm. Now, this is obviously referring to the Uncle Joe knock. And she says, Penny, that the Uncle Joe knock came about 30 minutes before it was going to get light outside. Because you know how you can tell daylight's coming, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but it's not all the way daylight? Yeah. That's when she says the Uncle Joe knock well, took that's place. That's not at 3.30. Would make, right. But would make sense for her to say, oh, at 7, Antoinette is gone. But that, like you said, that is not at 3.30. No. 
So the original account to police that throws their timeline off because if Antoinette's kidnappers are knocking at 3.30, there would be no light beginning to appear anywhere. No. The family friend that Penny ignored, Bill, told police that he knocked around 3.30, so that same time that Uncle Joe was supposed to have taken place, but he said he didn't see anything out of the ordinary. So, again, the timeline is just kind of screwed up at this point. And gosh that's weird to have told your child go ahead and answer it and then to stay Mm -hmm. in bed yeah Hmm. and there's a theory behind that too that we're going to talk about like right now okay so neither bill nor tom have ever been named as suspects and as i mentioned earlier Penny failed a polygraph test, and she was known to have said both Bill and Tom failed polygraph tests miserably, though I didn't really read that in a lot of places. Mm. Um, It was, however, on that Reddit thread that I referenced earlier. According to that same documentary, when Penny was re-interviewed in 1994 by the FBI, she asked them point blank, like, what would happen if I told you I was involved with Tom? Oh. And this is what was in supposedly that FBI report. Quote, when advised that the FBI had information that she was directly implicated, Penny stated the words, and I'm going to leave out his name, who are going to say Tom. Mm -hmm. What if I told you Tom and I did this? Would we both go to prison? (gasps) End quote. So, according to... But this is from Reddit, right? But it was on this documentary, though. Okay. I was just reading this person's commentary on this, but their information was from this documentary. So, I watched the documentary. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that doesn't look good. Right. And she said that Anthonette had gotten a little hard to handle she does not look hard to handle she's taking care of her sisters and she's nine so yeah not like she's 18 she's nine yeah but she said that her and tom kind of talked about you know ways that tom could help and that basically tom and bill were like you know what i think that Tom needs to be the person to kind of take care of Antoinette. And what do you mean take care of? As in, like, I think Tom was like, I'm going to take her. Oh. And I kind of think this might be true because I almost feel like he's trying, again, I don't know, but trying to woo her with these flowers oh, and gifts. Oh, yeah. Come sit on my lap. Yeah. Here's this Mm. necklace. Here's these flowers. And I think he's like, she can be mine. And Penny says, where would you take her? And he's like, oh, you don't need to know that. Mm. So a lot of people think that that was, that Tom took Anthony and that he was Uncle Joe. Yep. That makes sense to me. I mean, this theory makes a lot of sense. What's strange, though, is that when the FBI report was turned over to the local police department, they didn't include the interview in, like, their 
findings of the investigation and i thought that was kind of weird that is weird especially since she's basically like what if yeah, i told confession. you i did it yeah yeah it's strange that's mm. bizarre to me so this makes me wonder if perhaps wendy maybe lied when she was interviewed at the age of 10 so that second interview because why would she go back to bed after seeing what unless like we said she is scared but why would she go back to bed after seeing the sister that she loved and cared for being violently kidnapped that just to me does not make sense because she's five so would she be able to rationalize at five that she needed you know can a five-year-old say oh i can't say anything because they could come after me are we that developed at five or would Mm. we go right to our mom i don't know plus we Oh, no, she did say that she screamed, didn't she? Mm-hmm. I was going to say, maybe there was some sort of ruse to get Antoinette to go without, you know, much noise. But she remembers Antoinette screaming, so. Right, because yeah. we talked about why did Penny not wake up. Right. Another theory is that a complete stranger abducted Antoinette. Theories, their followers of this theory are quick to counter the arguments by people that say, oh, well, then how did they know to say Uncle Joe? Right. Right, because she had an Uncle Joe. But they argue that Joe is such a common name that they could have just picked a name at random. Like I did Tom or Bill, or, you know, we would say Sally for a girl because it's so common that they were just lucky enough to pick a name that was in the family. I don't know if I believe that. No. And then there is another theory that Antoinette was taken by someone in in her family who was involved in drugs and i think this could almost play into the first theory a little bit um and that she may have been killed or placed into sex trafficking so this theory is solely based on you know just basically what ifs because i read a few things about penny later in life having turned to drugs to help cope with the loss of Antoinette, but Um. i didn't read anything where there were people in her family at the time on drugs yeah right So I guess, you know, the theory of sex trafficking, that is a very real possibility because, you know, unfortunately child trafficking is just all too common and it's a lucrative business for these Uh criminals. Uh So some people believe that the anonymous note and that phone call were all pleas for help indicating that Antoinette may have been forcefully taken to different locations and forced into this sex trafficking lifestyle. Wow. A theory that I kind of thought on my own, and you talked about it briefly too, is what if something happened to her when she was out helping look for this dog? Like, why is that not a possibility? Right. Yeah. And you know, there's been very real times that I've dreamed things that are, like a lot of times I've dreamed things that I thought was real. So if Wendy's recollection, could that be a dream that she just remembers from when she was little? Oh, yeah. The dog thing, I mean, why could that not have been a possibility that she was looking for the dog? Yeah. And then something happened to her. Right. Because Penny's boyfriend at the time told police that he knew Antoinette was out looking for the dog the morning she went missing. Oh. And if that is the case, then pretty much any theory could be correct. 
She wow. could have been searching, wandered off from the group, was attacked by a wild animal. They live in New Mexico. Right. She could have been kidnapped by a stranger. Yeah. She could have been murdered by someone in the woods. Yeah. It's, any of those are possibilities. And, like, I know theory one is was a long theory with lots of, like, twists to the original plot. And hopefully it wasn't too confusing to follow along with. But I almost just feel like, in my opinion, that's the most plausible theory. I don't know if the timeline of he knocked at this time and he knocked at this time really is super important. Mm-hmm. But I do think, like. The visits from Tom, the flowers yep, from Tom, yep. the lap thing, all of that, those are super important details that I think that reveal a lot about his motives. I agree. For Anthonette. And even if her mom wasn't like, oh, Anthonette's been giving me a lot of trouble lately. And he's like, oh, I'll help with that. Even if he is, it doesn't even have to be that reason. He could just have been a family friend. And is attracted to young girls. Right. And picks this girl to be his next victim or his first victim or whatever. Yeah. To me, that one is most plausible. What do you think? I would completely agree with that. Um, The biggest red flag to me is when we were talking about how Tom and Bill didn't show their faces in the household after Antoinette disappears. Mm -hmm. Because that. Like I said, at the moment, that tells me that they weren't there to see Penny. They were there because Antoinette was there. And so I think it's because of that that I feel like they were somehow involved. And I don't really know how Bill kind of fits into the situation with Tom. That seemed kind of off to me in the research. Uh-huh. But, um, like... I don't know that he was really involved necessarily if Tom kidnapped Anthonette in that. I just think he may have been in the wrong place at the wrong time. But it does seem weird that the visits just stopped. Yeah. From both of them after Anthonette went missing. Very. Despite the fact that the FBI has closed the case, believing Anthonette to be dead... The Gallup Police Department have left the case open and active, hoping that someone with information regarding Anthonette will come forward. The case of Anthonette remains a haunting mystery etched in the hearts and minds of those who have followed her story. Despite decades of tireless efforts by investigators, the truth surrounding her disappearance remains elusive. The prevailing theories from the connection to her family to the chilling possibility of human trafficking have provided some leads, but have ultimately left more questions than answers. Anthonette's mother, Penny, passed away in 1999. Her father, Anthony, passed away in 2012. Neither ever knowing what happened to their daughter. Despite the passage of time, there's still hope that the truth about Anthonette can be uncovered. In 1992, a Jane Doe was found in Albuquerque. She was believed to be between the ages of 14 and 18 with native Hispanic or white heritage. Some of her characteristics were rumored to match those of Anthonette, but to this day, we have no idea if Anthonette and that Jane Doe are one and the same. Anthonette's disappearance serves as a reminder of the dark underbelly of society where innocence can be shattered in an instant and the search for justice becomes an uphill battle. The pain and anguish endured by her family and the community are immeasurable. Their hope for resolution forever suspended in a state of uncertainty. But today we hold on to the belief that the truth will one day emerge from the shadows. Perhaps it will be a breakthrough in forensic technology, a long-awaited confession, or an unexpected revelation that cracks the case wide open. 
Until then, Antoinette remains frozen in time, a young girl with a radiant smile, forever etched in the collective memory of the community yearning for closure and justice. If you believe you have information related to the disappearance of Antoinette, you can contact the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children at 1-800-843-5678. Again, please like and join our Facebook page, Coffee and Cases Podcast, to continue the conversation and see images related to this episode. As always, follow us on Twitter at Cases Coffee, on Instagram at Coffee Cases Podcast, or you can always email us suggestions to coffeeandcasespodcast at gmail.com. Please tell your friends about our podcast so more people can be reached to possibly help bring some closure to these families. Don't forget to rate our show and leave us a comment as well. We hope to hear from you soon. Stay together. Stay safe. We'll, we'll see, see you, you next week. week. notes with maggie and allison whoop, whoop. and we have love going out to amy for telling us that she heard a shout out this was so cute mm-hmm. to us on trace evidence podcast who actually yeah. used our pod as a yeah. source for their most recent episode which was super cool for I us i know yeah i was super excited kind of like allison's little famous i know you know and we also <laughs> have love going out to lauren monica tracy hannah marina allison michaela and rob for reaching out to us on social media or for sending us an email we will eventually respond we promise just life sure. has been very hectic this past week but we see you and we love you a lot so we promise we will get back to you yeah. Yes. In fact, right before we recorded, Maggie and I were like having a vent session about (laughs) everything going on in our lives. So we do also have bounds of love for our newest five star review writer. I'm a mommy, 23, who wrote, quote, I found Allison and Maggie through the Mother's Day podcast that was released by another favorite I listened to. I have binged them since. I started at the beginning and I'm working my way through. I love the format and it feels like I'm listening to friends explain these cases. Keep up the great work, ladies, end quote. Thank you for that sweet review. And this is what our second recently Mm -hmm. who found us through the Mother's Day podcast. And you all have some catching up to do because it might be a while before you hear this shout out to you. That's true. (laughs) Plus, we have so much love to Philly Fan WC who wrote, just found this podcast. Well-researched and great presentation. Love the background music, too. And well... We do have to tell you, I know, Philly fan, (laughs) that we have since ended the background music. But the good news is that you still have so many episodes to enjoy. That's right. Now you get to hear us sing at the end of episodes. Whoop whoop! Yeah, we really still do need someone with musical talent to come up with a little little ditty jingle we can play. I know. <laughs> and to end, we've got more love than you can imagine going out to Shelly, who joined us over on Patreon, Yay, where Shelley. she now gets access to monthly bonus content like silly stories, scary stories, interviews, which we've started doing much more frequently mm-hmm. than we did before, and soft cases. So if you're not over there, we would love to see you on Patreon as well. 
Yes, we would. And if you are interested in bonus content, or if you're in one of our upper tiers, quarterly swag boxes, yeah. then just head on over to patreon.com forward slash coffee and cases. There will be a link in the show notes to join. And also do not forget our current prize giveaway. Oh, I already have forgot. I See, know. Look. I know. Which is open to any and all who are already on Patreon to support our show and to anybody who joins before we draw and we will be drawing for a coffee and cases mug on our june 29th episode so be sure to sign up today and with that all of our love is going out to each and every one of you until next week sleuth hounds waiting on a tax return hopefully it ends up in your hands fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30 percent in 2023 if you're in a bind this tax season lifelock can help our u.s-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues and all lifelock plans are backed by the million dollar protection package so we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft help protect your information this tax season with lifelock save up to 25 percent your first year at lifelock.com aware